1 Corinthians chapter number 10, starting with verse number 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant how that all our fathers were uh, under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. And that rock was Christ. And that's all I'm going to read. As we were going about this week, sort of going out to visit some and and going to some uh, nursing homes and and things like that, it was uh, we were driving down somewhere between um, Hartsville and, and Lebanon, and Michelle said, "Look at the water coming out of that rock." And it was; it was just pouring out. Um, and I begin to think about our rock. And if you allow your mind to go back, I'm going to try to preach to you uh, on something I've said before. That it's not an original quote from me. Um, I don't know who come up with it. Spurgeon has often quoted it, uh, but then in his own memoirs he said he didn't say it, I think. But anyway, the saying remains the same, uh, and it is, I've learned to kiss the waves uh, that throw me against the rock of ages. And I've thought about that scripture this week, and so I want to try to preach uh, just a, a short sermon called Kiss the Waves. And oftentimes that's hard to do, but, uh, but if you would go back in your minds about 3,500 years ago, somewhere thereabouts, uh, uh, you will find uh, Moses uh, beginning to lead the Hebrews out of the land of Egypt. And, and they had been in bondage there and slaves 420 or 430 years, uh, somewhere around there. And anyway, the life of the slave was all that they knew. And, and so that's, that's all they knew. They didn't know any different. They knew nothing else but a hard life of rigorous labor and, and manual toil and hardships and, and generation after generation after generation. Uh, if you think about our nation uh, is, uh, uh, what, 200 and something years old? Uh, uh, these people were in bondage longer than we'd ever been a nation. And so that's all they knew, generation after generation. And then along came this guy named Moses. And, and Moses had uh, had talked with God on a, on a mountain with a burning bush. And, and God said, Moses, you're going to deliver my people. And Moses said, who am I uh, that I can do this? I'm not a man of eloquent speech or eloquent tongue. At any rate, God said, you're the man that I chose to do this. And Aaron will be there. And, and, and I'll guide you along the way. And, and from that point on, Moses uh, began uh, to stir up the Hebrews to remember, even though all they knew was a life of slavery, uh, to remember the promises uh, that was made unto Abraham. Uh, to remember the promises uh, that God said and God had told Moses this shall be a sign unto you you shall serve God on this mountain and so Moses began to lead and he began to stir up the hearts and a, a sort of a, a revival of sorts began to take place as, as people remembered that covenant that God had never forgotten 
but man sometimes forgets things. And so Moses would remind them, and there was the Spirit of God about them, and there were plagues that he dumped on Egypt land, and there was plagues that he dumped on Egypt and Pharaoh, and there were plagues on the Egypt, but not in Goshen where they lived. In other words, God separated them and made a difference. I'll say to you this morning, God still separates His people from the lost. There is a great separation. But at any rate, Moses began to leave. And after the plagues of Philip on Egypt and culminated with the death of the firstborn son of Pharaoh and the firstborn son of every, every man, woman, everybody's firstborn son in Egypt died. Even the firstborn, I believe, of the cattle. How about against the Hebrews, not a dog moved his tongue. And so, so Pharaoh, with his heart broken, finally said, get out of here. And so Moses began to lead. I don't know how many they were, but the Bible says there were about 600,000 men. So I would imagine if you count women and children, you probably had three million or so, and that's maybe a conservative number, but you had millions that went out of the land of Egypt, and you had millions that were on the journey now, led by Moses, the man of God. And, uh, and so they would come to a place uh, called the Red Sea. And you know this, uh, they came to the Red Sea and their back was against the water and Pharaoh had changed his mind. And Pharaoh said, go after uh, the Hebrews. Uh, we should have never let them leave. And so the army of Pharaoh was before them and the Red Sea behind them. And there they made camp. Uh, and there God instructed Moses uh, to stretch forth the rod uh, that sends on and he said, I'll cause an east wind. And he did that. And the waters divided. And they separated. And there was a wall of water on their right and a wall of water on their left. And they walked across on dry land. And then the Pharaoh and his army started in after them. And when the last Hebrew set foot on the far side, the Bible says that the waves again returned and the sea returned to its strength. And buried, buried Pharaoh, buried the whole army of Egypt. And so they knew the mighty hand of God. They knew and they understood. They had seen His miracles. They had seen Him part the water. They came to a place where there was no food. God provided them manna from above. He let rain, I mean, He let bread fall down from heaven. And He fed them that way every day. He gave them flesh. He gave them quail. He gave them water where there was no water. But then they came to a place where there were they, He gave them water, sweet water, for bitter rather. But now they came to a place where there was no water. And so, even though they had saw the hand of God move in and about them, they still, they still grumbled and complained. They still didn't put all their faith and their all their hope in God. And, and so they said unto Moses in the 17th chapter of the book of Exodus, that what do you mean to lead us out here and let us die and our children die and our cattle die with thirst? Now what do you mean, Moses, leading us? And Moses went to God and he said, God, what can I do? These people are ready to stone me. And God said, Moses, go before them. 
take the elders of the, of, of the Hebrews with you and go before them. He said, I will stand upon the rock. I will stand on the rock at Horeb and there I want you to strike the rock and I'll make water to flow out of that rock. I thought about that just in that brief moment that Michelle said that on the way to the nursing home the other day. She said, look, there's water pouring out of the rock. Bless your heart, that's what God did. In a place where there was no water, and that rock, Paul said that rock was Christ. In other words, in other words, when God said, I'll stand on that rock. And Moses threw back his hand. And now you can read there was no water there. You can read later on in those journeys that a river, I believe he opened up fountains. You can read in the Psalms that rivers gushed out. It couldn't have just been a little drip, but I believe a river came out of the Mount of God. I believe that rock at Horeb was part of the mountain. And when Moses struck it, I believe there was an underwater, a stream of water, an underground stream of water that flowed them. And Paul said it followed them. Forty years now the rock didn't follow them. But the stream that God brought forth out of the rock, it nourished them for forty years. And they stayed by that stream of water. Now you might think that's a... Uh, that's, a, that's a hard thing. It's not for God. A place where there was no water in the wilderness land. Now, now there's a river or a stream uh, that flowed. Uh, for 40 years it flowed until they got to where they were going. Then it dried up. Uh, and God said the second time, Moses, there is a rock. But this time I don't want you to strike it. This time just talk to it. Just speak to it. And I'll cause the water once again to flow forth. And Moses was angry. He was angry for 40 years of putting up with a hard, stiff-necked, stubborn, rebellious people. And so he went out in his anger. And he smote the rock again. And water came forth. But God was not pleased. And Moses never got to go into Canaan land because of that. Now God said, I'll take you up on the top of Mount Pisgah and I'll let you look and see that promised land, but you will not set foot in it because you disobeyed me. You, know, you might say, Preacher Moses was a great man of God. Uh, why would one mistake uh, keep him out of the promised land? Uh, well, it was a mistake, uh, but it also, it also, you've got to realize when Paul said that rock was Christ, what did he really mean? It meant that, you know, you can go about three weeks without food. Uh, you, can go, uh, you can go about three minutes, I suppose, without breathing. And you can go about three days without water. And so these people, 3,500 years ago, and they were parched, and they were thirsty, and they needed water, or they were going to die. And the only way to get to the water was by striking the rock. Now you keep that in mind. Friend, I don't know how else to say this to you, so I'm just going to be awfully blunt about it. Without salvation, by grace, through faith in Jesus Christ, you will die. Amen. You need something to sustain you. You need something or you're going to starve. And you're going to dry up. And you're going to waste away. And you're going to die in this wilderness land of earth. Except you get a drink. Of living water. 
And so that Christ was not only the water, He was the rock. And that was a picture. If you look in Isaiah chapter 53, it said that the Son of God would be smitten, would be struck. And when He was struck, the Bible says, water and blood poured forth out of His wounds. Water and blood. That is the life-giving water that whosoever drinketh of that shall never die. Without that living water that flowed forth from the rock, you are dead. Dead in sin and dead in trespasses. And someday, if you don't repent, if you never get saved, you will be in a second death, an eternal death in the pits and the flames of the fires of hell fire. I don't know how much plainer to say that to you. But if you want good news, see that rock. That rock, Paul said it followed him. That water followed him. It nourished him. I'm so glad this morning, as Sister Janet said, it's good to die with. But I want to tell you, it's awfully good to live with. Awfully good to live. I don't see how. Now what do you mean, kiss this way? We talked in Sunday school and Brother Joe taught a lesson about Job. And it sort of fits hand in hand. You see, Job, Job had to learn like you and I do. And Job didn't just get patience all at once, but his trials, it worked his patience. And you see, he had to learn to kiss every wave. And when they said, Job, your cattle's dead, he kissed that wave. Job, your, your oxen are dead. He kissed that wave. Even when they said, Job, your children are dead. He kissed that wave. Why? You see, Satan doesn't understand the workings of the Spirit. Because he knows nothing of the Spirit of God. He knows nothing of what is inside of the born-again believer. And so the things that He puts before you, and the things that strike you, He wants to kill you by those things. What He doesn't realize is all He does is drive us closer to Jesus, our rock. And so Job learned to kiss those waves. Joseph learned to kiss the waves. When Joseph was threw down in a pit and sold by his brothers, he kissed away. When he was when he was in the house of Potiphar, when he was thrown into prison, he learned to kiss the waves. My friend, when he when he rotted in prison for something that he never did, he learned to kiss the waves. You see, uh, this life, uh, uh, the only way uh, that we as God's people, uh, we depend on uh, that river of the water of life uh, flowing all the days of our life until we get to where we're going. That rock is Christ. That rock was smitten. A lot of people say today uh, the life of Jesus Christ uh, uh, was so wonderful and indeed it was. And the life of Jesus Christ, how what He did, and people want to focus on all of that, and rightfully so. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He was a light, and 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 the Bible says that John the Baptist even said, "I'm not the light, but I rejoice in the light." And so, and so Jesus Christ and His life was absolutely phenomenal. And never, never one like him before. There'll never be one like him uh, past this. Uh, but see, it wasn't the life. 
It wasn't the life. The life of Jesus Christ, as good and sinless as it was, cannot save you. It's the death. It is the death. That's the only way. There had to be a river open. There had to be a fountain open. And it was opened on Calvary. And that river uh, for 2,000 years has still been flowing uh, down through the ages, through the trails of blood, through the persecution, through the dark ages, uh, through, the, uh, through the apostasy, uh, through, the, uh, through the ungodly papacy of the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, still there's been a pure river that has flowed from Calvary. Amen. That rock is Christ. And I thought about, as we heard this week and about it being mentioned a while ago, about the storms that came through. And that rock is good for a lot of things. That rock is good. And that rock that gives us the living water. But you know it's also a firm foundation. That rock was Christ. And he that has built his life upon not doctrine, not theology, and not preaching, and not testimony, but the life that is built upon Christ and Him alone has a solid foundation. Everything else is on sinking sand. That rock, as the kids sing a song sometimes, it says it's the rock that I run to when I'm overwhelmed. You know the psalmist in Psalm 61 and verse 2, he said to the ends of the earth, I will cry unto thee when my heart is overwhelmed. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. It's a good hiding place. Uh, it's a good place as those storms uh, like we saw this week. Uh, it was probably the, uh, the longest I've ever been in that velocity of wind. It just lingered on and on and on. And our, our, uh, our garage was literally rocking. Our house was creaking. I mean, you could hear it. Uh, uh, but thank God we got a place of safety. We went to the basement. It's a designated place they say to go to. And my friend, the storms are about to get real on planet Earth in the form of judgment. You need to get to the rock of ages. And you need to get there now. There's no time. There's no time to waste. That's what they tell you. Uh, when a tornado's coming, uh, you don't have very long. At least with a hurricane, you've got weeks maybe to prepare. Uh, but these pop-up tornadoes, they pop up. And without warning, uh, you are in the storm of your life. And so it is in the spiritual world as well. Sometimes without warning. Sometimes it's that way with your health. Moses told God one time, he said, Lord, after they had sinned and built the golden calf, and God said, Moses, I can't go with you the rest of the way. Because you have sinned, I cannot go with you. And you know what Moses said? He said, God, if you're not going to go with us, then just kill us in this wilderness. He said, I don't want to go if you're not going to be there. And God said, Moses, you found grace in my sight. And Moses said, Lord, if I have found grace in thy sight, he said, how do I know that? He said, God, show me your glory. 
And probably right after he said it, probably his blood became curdled and thick. And probably began to tremble, thinking, why did I just ask God to show me his glory? Is he going to show it in anger? Is he going to show it in, in, in vengeance? Is he going to show it by his mighty judgments to fall? But God said, Moses, I'll show you my glory when I show you my goodness. Of all the glory and attributes of God, it's His goodness. It's His goodness that He wanted Moses to understand. You need to understand. God is not just a... The Bible said He is... Vengeance is mine, He says. But God's, God will be a God of vengeance according to judgment. But He's a God of mercy. He's a God of love. He's a God that wants to save you. He gave His only Son to die so that you could live. So that fountain would have been opened. And God said, Moses, I'll show you my goodness. He said, there is a place by me. And guess where it's at? It's on the rock. And there's a place by me. And it's on a rock. He said, you come up there. And I'll cause my goodness to pass before you. He said, I'm going to hide you in the cleft of a rock. And he said, you can't see my face, Moses, because no man shall see me and live. But he said, you, you get in the rock and I'll put you in the cleft of a rock. And he said, I'll just I'll shield you. I'll use my hand, Moses, and I'll hide you until I've passed by. And then I'll take my hand away and you can see my back parts. I'm glad there's a cleft and a rock. It's hard. I've learned to kiss a lot of ways. Brother Joe said in Sunday school, and he used the analogy and example of something in the New Testament where Jesus' disciples asked him because a man was born blind. He said, did this man see or did his parents because he was born blind? And Jesus said, neither. He was born blind that others may see the glory of God. Listen, the things that happen to you, sometimes they are because of our sin. And I think when they are because of our sin, I think God lets us know that that's because of our sin. In other words, there is a consequence to our actions. But there are things that will happen for you, not because you've been bad, but so God can show His glory through you. Amen. Those are the hardest ways sometimes to kiss. You know my struggles. I've kissed waves of hell. I've kissed them. Sometimes they nearly drown you when you're trying to kiss them. But see, everything that happens but what does it do? As Satan would want to sift you as wheat. He'd want to destroy your faith. But for the true child of God, all it does is confirm my dependence upon that rock of ages. And that one more time, I'll ask God to hide me in the cleft of the rock. Paul said it this way. My life is hid with Christ in God. If I'm in the cleft of the rock and that rock is Christ, I'm good. I'm good. And so you learn to kiss these waves. I had a... Uh, my parents don't even know this. I don't know why I'm telling you. 
If they listen to this, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad, I didn't tell you sooner. I had an appointment the other day just to get a calcium score done on my heart. So $50 is, you know, probably worth doing. And 200's kind of bad. 300's getting worse. 400, they say, pretty close to a heart attack. Mine come back 4,065. Now, I freaked out and began to call a cardiologist and got an appointment. He said, Sense can do that. It's a false report. But he said, There are some things on there that concern me. And he said, I'd like to, I'd like to do another cast. And I said, Well, whatever. And, and so they're probably going to set that up. I don't know. I don't know that I'll even do it. But, but what I'm saying, there's always, a, there's always a way. It seems like they come one way after another sometimes. And bless your heart, I promise you that God is faithful. Learn to kiss the waves. To throw you against the rock of ages. Learn to kiss him. He's a good rock. David said it this way. The Lord is my rock and my salvation in whom I trust. He's my buckler. He's my shield. He's my high tower. He's everything to me. He's my rock. I realize in the cleft of the rock there's safety. I realize uh, that that stream and that river that was opened up 2,000 years ago uh, at Calvary, uh, just like the river uh, that came forth out of the rock 3,500 years ago, it will follow me until I get to the end of life down here. And I'll gently, one day, I'll just step into that stream and on the other side, like Hebrews of old, on the other side, when I step out of that river, just like the Hebrews had the Red Sea, the, the waves will come back and it'll destroy everything. See, that's, God often uses pictures in the Old Testament as things to point. That rock is a big picture. Paul said that rock was Christ. My life is hit with Christ in God. That's my foundation. Not something somebody told me to say. And not just with my mind accepting Christ and, 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 and all of that. And not, and not just some flim flam shame. But when, when David said, The Lord is my rock, he said, Out of the depths of hell I cry. And he heard me. He said, he said that the, 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 the sorrows of death got hold upon me and the fear of hell got hold upon me. But he said, I called and he heard. Yeah. And he set my feet on a rock yeah. and he established my goals. It wasn't just something that happened and it's been long forgot. For the true born again believer, he sets you on that rock. Then He establishes your goals. God has an interest in you beyond being saved. He has an interest in what you do with your life after you're saved. And sometimes He gets our attention by waves. Sometimes He just wants to show, I've went to visit people with cancer, and you know what? I went to go cheer them up, and when I left, it was the opposite way. God used His glory through their life to show me they were on a strong foundation. Amen. 
I don't know what's going to happen with my health and your health. As for your prayers, it's hard on me. It's harder on Michelle, obviously. My heart rate got up to 191 here preaching last. 191. It's another way to kiss. I'm satisfied and I'm not worried. It's going to be good. Learn to kiss those ways. Sometimes, that, that's just my mantra for life. Kiss the weights. Sometimes, as I look out at this crowd and I see people who've lost little babies, sometimes I'll say it with a lump in my throat. Kiss the weights. I don't know the, Philip said, I don't know the dealings of God. I don't know His ways. Yeah, but I, there's a song by the McCamies, and I'll leave you with this. It's called the shepherd's point of view. Some of you singers, you need to learn that and sing it. But the gist of it is, there's going to come a day I'm going to stand on the mountain. I'm going to stand there with my shepherd. And he's going to look back to the valley. And as the song goes on, it says he begins to answer questions one by one that he didn't answer at the time. And you look back on the valley and he begins to show you the dangers of you going your own way. And all those roads that you thought were better would have led your soul astray. You see, there's a reason that God sort of does like this with us in this walk of life because the road that I want to take might not be good for me. It might look good. It might look promising. But you don't realize it. It's only when you're on the mountain and you're looking down in the valley and that you see where their roads would have taken you. And so, the song says it will look different from the shepherd's point of view. And it says as you begin there to cry upon his shoulder and to thank him for his love, he'll say, child, I knew that one day you'd see this valley from above. There are trials. We don't understand them all. I didn't really know if this was going to be a message to the lost or the saved. Maybe both. Kiss the way. Even the wave of conviction upon a lost sinner. Hey, God's not doing that to you because He's mean. He's, it's the goodness of God that leads you to repent. It's the goodness of God showing you your sin. It's the goodness of God dealing with your heart. And that uneasiness that settles in. And you realize, my God, my God, I'm lost and I'm undone. And those waves crash over you. It's the goodness of God that's doing that. Because it draws you right to that rock. And right to that water. Get a drink of it. You'll never be the same. Hide in the rock. It's a good place to hide from the storms of life. It's a good foundation. It's not going anywhere. People build their lives upon platitudes, upon catechisms, upon doctrines of man, and they will surely fall. When the winds blow and the rain falls and the flood comes, the Bible says they shall fall and great will be the fall of it. But he that built his house upon the rock, the floods come. And the rains, you see, even though you're saved, that doesn't mean you're going to have a life without trouble. That doesn't mean you're going to have a life unlike the law. As a matter of fact, sometimes, sometimes your life on the outside may even be worse than the lost. 
And I don't have the answer for that. But I'm saying the same rain, the same floods, and the same winds will come to the same. But the difference is they fell not because they were founded upon a rock. Paul said that rock was Christ. I'll freely admit to you this morning without Christ I'm nothing. Everything. The primitive quartet sings a song my hope is in the blood. That's where it's at. It's not in anything that I've done. It's not in any abilities that I have. My hope, my only hope in this life is in the blood. When blood and water poured forth out of his side, my friend, that was a river. Because it wasn't his life that saved you, it was his death. He had to be struck. And so the next time when Moses came around 40 years later, and the water and the floods and the river had dried up, and God said, Don't strike the rock this time, speak to it. And I'll leave you with this. What does that mean? Christ was struck one time, and by one time he made. He made peace for everybody. For one time He was smitten. Once He was crucified. Never to be touched again. Never to be crucified again. He don't have to be smitten a second time. And how do you get the water now? You just speak to Him. You just speak to Him. From your heart. You just speak to Him. And that water will begin to flow. And it'll follow you everywhere you go for the rest of your life. And then it'll follow you into eternity where there's a clear river of water of life that doesn't proceed out of the mountain. It proceeds from the throne of God and of the Lamb. Kiss the waves this morning. It's not easy. Sometimes you nearly drown doing it. Learn to kiss Him. Anything that drives you to Christ Learn to kiss that way. God bless you. It's our message. Come ahead with a song.